Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Time now for the DenverSports.com front page. Stop what you're doing and listen. Taking a look at the top stories in Denver sports taken from your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. What in the name of Dan Issel? With today's DenverSports.com front page, here's Schlereth and Evans. Got a lot of ground to cover, so let's jump right into it. Andrew Mason, who's been doing a terrific job. Have you have you run into Andrew Mason? Has as oh, Mace as yeah. Mace asked about me? Uh yeah, Mace did. Mace, I see Mace every day. He comes over here and sits at the table, and uh, on the other side there, and so he does. I don't know whatever it is he does. That'd be orange know. and blue today with Cecil. Yeah, Lane. orange and blue, yeah. but he's you know typing on his computer. Oh, yeah. He's always got. He's always just. Working, he's a diligent little fellow. He is, and he uh, had a chance to uh, visit with Randy Gratishar right after Gratishar became a Hall of Famer. Officially, I love Mace's uh, tagline at the start: 40, uh, 40 years, one month, and fifteen days after playing his final game, Randy Gratishar finally has the honor he always deserved. He's going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and. Here's a great little factoid. Uh, he will be going into the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, just 55 miles away from Champion High School in Warren, Ohio, where he played. That's really cool. I'll tell you what's been really cool for me is this morning, you know, because I get up at 2.30 for whatever reason, looking at some of the videos of Randy playing back in the day. And those are, the, you know, all the stuff that's been posted on social media. Really fun. Like, I love that stuff. I love that old football stuff and seeing Randy, seeing Tom Jackson, seeing some of the, you know, the guys on those on those squads, Barney Chavis and, uh, and you know, just guys that I've known over the years. Really cool to watch. Really cool. It really is too bad that that, that team didn't get their due when it happened. And it took the success, the modern-day success of the Broncos, the two championships back-to-back, and then 2015, um, to really shine a light on hey this franchise they've won a lot look at where they've look at what they've done look at where they came from oh yeah look at what they did back there in the late 70s with an iconic defense that went to the Super Bowl hey maybe we take a, look, a closer look at these uh, guys that were part of that team part of that era and I'm I'm so happy and uh let, let's not stop there um anybody else from that that team that you think should have a chance to get in oh Gosh, um, who else would be somebody? I mean, you're looking that? at a guy like a Mecklenburg, a, a, a Louis Wright. Um, Louis Wright would be a guy that I think that would probably deserve it. Um, you know, Carl was kind of in in that in between the, when they went to a bunch of Super Bowls but never won any of them. Right. So, but but Mech was a really Mech was a really interesting player because he's one of those hybrid players before hybrid players really existed you know what i mean and i think you can see the 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 voters this is the problem uh, the nfl hall of fame voters are stupid so they don't really understand the game and they don't understand the value of that like now there are tons of hybrid type of players but in mecklenburg's day there he was the one right yeah. he was the one that did it and so when you start to look at how guys or how individuals change the game. I was just talking to a, a Dallas station 
about Darren Woodson, and they feel like Darren Woodson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And a lot of people would say, well, he won Super Bowls, and he, you know, he played in five Pro Bowls or whatever, but, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, and I would argue Darren Woodson gave the Cowboys the ability at the safety position to stay in base, and he'd roll down, and he'd be the nickel corner. And he did that throughout his career. And so one of the one of the cool things, it was kind of almost the transition of before, like they could cover out of that and they could do things out of when you got into zebra three wide sets where Darren would become that nickel player. So he had to defend the run. He had to be able to cover man to man, also play zone. And Dallas back in those days played a lot of zone. But he was that player that almost like transition people into hey we just need to get a corner who can do all this stuff so we've got better man-to-man coverage skills there but he was kind of the he was kind of the 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 guy the catalytic event or the catalytic player that that helped kind of help you know usher the nfl into a new kind of realm if you will so like those things i think have to be considered and i just don't think the voters know enough about football to really understand that. It was a Kobe Bryant night in L.A. last night as his life, his career was celebrated. A statue was unveiled. Uh, uh, they wore the, the Black Mamba uniforms last night, did the Lakers. And you had uh, plenty of celebrities, luminaries there on hand, including Russell Wilson, along with his wife, Sierra, were there taking it in and Russell Wilson an unabashed fan of Kobe Bryant what do you think it it was about Kobe that drew so many athletes to to look up to him to respect him to to try to emulate him what do you think it was about Kobe that resonated with guys like Russ um i think it was his work ethic yeah like the guy was incredibly talented and yet he just outworked there. Like, he never relied on pure talent. He just outworked everybody. And and he, you know, I mean, when it came to that kind of the mentality, the mindset, he was just a hard ass. And I think guys really respected that about him because, in you know, in the in the world's eyes, he earned the, the right to kind of relax or the right to maybe not, you know, do as much or whatever. And yet... He just constantly was grinding, grinding on people, grinding, you know, grinding on his work and, and what he did. And I don't know. I think that's what people respect him so much about. Do you think, do you think LeBron had a tough time with Kobe Knight? That he, he wasn't getting all the attention? Do you think that bothered him? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here. I, I, yes, but I also think that even LeBron... As self-absorbed as a LeBron can be, I think he understood that uh, this was yeah. bigger than than him on 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 this night, and he he understood and he was uh, okay with it. Uh, I, I want to share, by the way, I, I saw Phil Jackson spoke uh, during the cer- during the uh, ceremonies and everything. He had an interesting comment there about Kobe. I'll share with you here in a little bit. Despite seven straight losing seasons. Ugh. <laughs> I, I mean, I I know that to be true, but saying it out loud, ugh. seven mm-hmm. straight, despite seven straight losing seasons, as uh, written by Jake Shapiro, the Broncos have raised their ticket prices. The average price of a season ticket is going up almost 
5%, what the team says is in line with other NFL averages for raising ticket prices. Last year, the team averaged a 13% bump in season ticket prices when they were one of 25 teams to raise prices. So last year, 25 teams raised ticket prices, which means seven teams did not. Shouldn't the Broncos, because of those seven straight losing seasons, shouldn't they come out and say, hey, this year, no ticket price raise? But instead they do. Yeah. Yeah. How many how many teams over the last two years that have raised ticket prices uh are on a seven year losing streak? Uh Jake does not have that. He has a lot, but he does not have uh-huh. that. But here's the thing. Here's the, and Jake points this out. It it you know, you could be upset, and we've heard from some people right. who said, I'm mad as hell and I'm giving up my tickets. Well, uh, they are in the midst of a 54-year sellout streak. That's Check awesome. Check that out. The Nuggets have been, uh, excuse me, the Nuggets. The uh, Broncos have a 54-year, year sellout streak, and there's a waiting list with more than 100,000 names. So I don't mean to sound callous, but mm. for those of you who are upset, you know what? Broncos can just look at it as like, you're a number. You're a number. You don't want to play ball with us anymore. Fine. Thank you for your your, your long-term, right. long-time commitment. But we got 100,000 people waiting to take your spot. Move on. Yeah, see, that's the other thing about the, the, the teams that have lost consistently. How many of them have that kind of support and have that kind of waiting list and all that stuff? So, you know, I mean, you'd have to factor that in as well. But... It does feel it does feel a little dirty, doesn't it? It <laughs> to, does. It to does. raise the prices. I know. It just feels a little a little bit smart. But it but, is um, it is business, right? And and, yeah. and for for everybody who's upset about it, I guess I would ask you put yourself in the Broncos' position. Mm-hmm. Right. You you've yeah. got a fifty four year sellout streak. You've got a hundred thousand people, and I I know I could give you the Mark Cuban. Uh, what is it? The uh, the the lambs eventually get led to slaughter or something yes. like that. But yep. oh, wait a minute! Right there. Hold on. Hold on, Randy. Randy, congratulations. Oh, cool. Oh, it's just. I'll be right back. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll we'll chat amongst ourselves here. Mark uh, gained a chance to stand up and uh, congratulate Randy Gratishar is just walking by. That's awesome. That is cool. And they're talking in the background. Can we listen? Can we hear anything? Yeah, they might say something we're not supposed to hear. All right, we'll get him on. We'll get him on. Mark's already said. Look at look at Mark. You can, I can already hear him in the background. He's playing producer. Fever, take notes. Rogue, take notes. Um, he's already setting it up to uh, have him on next week. That'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, some uh, reaction on this. Uh, is it just me on the Rumbleslaw.com a text line? And we would encourage sorry, sorry. you. Oh, you're right, back. I'm back. I'm All right, back that's down. cool. I saw. I just, I, we heard a little bit. It looks like you're setting uh, up Randy to come on next week or something. Yeah, we'll get Randy next yeah. week. And uh, he, but he's he he was ready to come on. He wanted me to tell you hi. <laughs> and uh, and uh, a lot of people so saying did, hi to me way, this week. I yeah. Really by the way, so did it. Emmett. I just saw Emmett. Just yeah. gave Emmett a big hug while we were talking. Yeah. Emmett Smith, and yeah. he wanted me to tell you hi. Too. Okay. All right. Well, I got to really, get. I got to get to the Super Bowl next he year. He said he really wanted to come on, and I said, "Hey, I'd love to have you on, but I don't have an extra headset or a host that's here." So you, you, that's not you, <laughs> but Randy, I had to get up. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Just I'm glad you, you just walked right by. I'm the glad table you. And I just 
big, big, uh, big hug, big uh, congratulatory. Uh, he's like, I just wanted to get in before I died. <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> I go, well, you made it, my friend. You made it. He's been so... All of us who've had a chance to cover the the Broncos over the years have, have crossed paths with, with Randy Gratishar because he's been mm. such the ultimate ambassador uh, yeah. for the Broncos mm. uh, to the rest of the fans. And so many times, I think Broncos fans uh, have, have had a chance to to meet Randy Gratishar, be part of events, Bronco events that include Randy Gratishar. And I, I, I don't want to just make this all about Randy Gratishar because so many of the Bronco uh, greats have uh, their alumni have been so so uh, fantastic in, in in staying connected with the team and continuing mm-hmm. to uh, support, embrace, and represent the team. And, uh, and and he's been right there. And for him to be celebrated like this is is just awesome. So I'm glad you had a chance to to spend a little time there. And yeah, we'll definitely get him on uh, next week. Continue on with the uh, some of the stories going on at uh, DenverSports.com that are being talked about. Uh, Deion Sanders, who you had a chance to run into yesterday, and did he ask about me? He did ask about you. He told me to give you his best, and uh, <laughs> you are not. He said to me, he goes, hey, tell Mike he ain't bull jump. I ain't bull. All right. Woo. He said, you ain't bull jump. He believed. He goes, he believed. <laughs> he said, he believed. I, hey, did you tell him I believe? Yeah. I did you tell him, him I believe? No, he said he knew you believed. Right? Uh, so he gave the per. I do believe. And Mark told you, I believe. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He he gave the perfect answer about his future um, with the, the Buffs and whether or not he's going to be here. And he, he referenced the fact that a lot of programs out there are trying to do the negative recruiting against Dion and the Buffs by saying that, uh, why you want to go to CU? Dion's not going to be there in a couple of years. As soon as his kids are done, he's going to be gone. His uh, response to all of that is, they tell kids, well, he's not going to be there. He's going to leave. I don't go to inherit legacies. I build them. I inherited some bull junk, and I'm going to fix it. Yeah. I love I love it. You can go build a legacy. So what you guys talk yeah. about? The and I? Yeah. You? <laughs> no. Why seriously. you weren't here? No. Seriously. no. seriously, what'd you talk no. about? No. Well, he just talked about the program, what he's doing, and then... Uh, and essentially, he just wanted me to come up and and be, you know, he. One thing about Dion, man, he's really genuine about, you know, about exposing his players to guys who played in the league yep. that he respects and that he knows understand the game, and, and because he wants his players to kind of, you know, have that experience with those guys and to understand, you know, how how much what what kind of level of commitment you have to have to the game. And what level of commitment you have to have to the understanding of the game and the work ethic and all those things to, to make it. And so he wants to invest in his players. This is one of the things I love about him. Invest in his players with guys that he knows invested and did it the right way. And so, you know, he's just like, if you don't come up, he's just he was mad at me that I haven't been up yet. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Well, come on, man. He, we, we talked about this yesterday that in, in a time where – Coaches, I, I mentioned the Boston College coach uh, uh, who who left to become the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, and that more and more coaches are saying that they want to get to the NFL. College coaches want to get to the NFL because th- the college game has become so difficult because right. of transfer portals and 
all the NIL stuff, that it's not just simply, hey, I got a kid, I recruited him, and now he's mine for the next three or four years, and I can really build him and mold him. I don't need to worry about him uh, leaving the first time he hears a mean word. I can really, you know, develop this kid, coach him, and turn him into an adult and all that kind of stuff without having to constantly worrying about guys leaving and having to replace him on the fly. And more and more coaches are saying, I'd, ra- I'd rather be in the NFL where there's at least some stability. But Dion, on the, on, on the other hand, is, to me, I, I just think he's, he's out front. He's ahead of the curve when it comes to what college football is becoming. And it is all about NIL and, and, and social media and uh, promoting yourself on, on videos and promising or at least offering that carrot of the potential of going to the league. Of going to the NFL, and yeah. part of that is bringing in a bunch of former NFL guys as evidence that hey, here are guys who did it. Listen to them, and maybe you'll have a shot too. I think it's I think it's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. You know what's interesting is so many guys from college football are trying to get back into or trying to get into the NFL, and baseball is the exact opposite. All the major league coaches and and they want to get to college baseball. And it, it's interesting, you know, talking to my son about it and talking to all the different guys that he knows that are leaving, you know, are leaving Major League Baseball and trying to get down to the college level is because the analytics in Major League Baseball, in most, you know, baseball people, uh, most like real true baseball, it, it's to them, it's ruined the game. You know, when you start when you start getting called down from some analytics guy saying you got to take this pitcher out and he's dealing, yeah, like it, it stuff like that has ruined it, and it's not that hasn't infiltrated in college baseball like it did in the in in the professional game. Now the difference is there's not a ton of nil stuff that you deal with in college baseball like you would in college football because it's just not as much, you know, there's just not as much money or opportunity there, but. Um, it's kind of one of the things. It's the it's the transverse of what's going on in the NFL right now, or in college football right now, with guys trying to leave and get into the NFL. It's the exact opposite in, in baseball. It's uh, is it just me Friday giving you a chance to get those hot sports takes off your chest? Here's one: Is it just me, or are the Nuggets to the Lakers what the Chiefs are to the Broncos? Uh no, well, that's a, I think that's a very good comparison. Well, I mean. Okay, so it is like before we before we go, it is seven games, right? It is seven straight wins. Yeah, I mean, let's like the Lakers. Yeah, and, the, f- and four of them in a row in a in a playoff series. Yeah, I understand that, but the Lakers over the forty years. Uh, yeah, I mean, we I think we need a little bit more context, right? Whoa, a little whoa, bit whoa, more. whoa, 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 wait a minute, because there was a time that the Broncos dominated the Chiefs, so. What we're what we're seeing right now is a we're we're in a a a, a an era, uh, an uh, an era's tour, uh, where you're seeing the Chiefs dominate the Broncos and and the Lakers are right. getting dominated by the Nuggets. Well, I mean, it is domination, Mark. It is domination, but it's it's why are you sticking oh, up for the Lakers? Over the why are you sticking up for the Lakers? Course. It's not even over the course of a of a full calendar. Why do you love year? the Lakers so much? Well, it's not even over the course of a full calendar year. Can, wow. we, get, can we get like. Why do you hate Michael Malone? Well, can we get four years of, of pure dominance and a couple more championships before we. Because I just know the late. I know how Laker fan. 17 banners. <laughs> oh, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it last night. Oh, we don't have. Uh, 
Uh, we didn't have D'Angelo Russell, and we didn't have, uh, I don't know, who are the guys saying now? Cam Reddish or whoever uh, is on that team that was uh. sitting out. Oh, it'll be different when they're all back. Yeah, right. There yeah. was such uh, uh, there was such an, a feeling of inevitability in that game. Never once was I worried. Even when it got to be 104-104 with two minutes left. Reeves, Austin mm-hmm. Reeves hits his three-pointer. It's 104-104. There's two minutes left. At no point at that moment was I worried. Because why? And what is the biggest difference right now between the Nuggets and Lakers? The Nuggets uh, know the Nuggets know how to close. Right. And the and Lakers the Nug- do not. And the Nuggets have the best team in basketball. And when I, I mean the best team. 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 Yeah. Team. Yes. Team. The best team in basketball. You're right. And like you said, their their boo rating is off the charts. Like when you <laughs> did you realize how how awesome it is as a Nuggets fan when you get into that situation, the final two minutes, and you know you have the best two-man game that this game has ever seen since the days of Stockton and Malone. That you have the two best, by themselves, by themselves individually, two of the best closers in basketball. Put them together, it is the best closing duo in all of basketball. And so when they get into that situation and it's a close game, it's like, ha, got them right where we want them. Right. We know exactly what, and, and and they're not only the best two-man game and the best duo in basketball, but they're the most unselfish team in basketball. And therefore, though, if it's not those two, it'll be somebody else because they're going to make the right play because they don't care. They ultimately don't care who wins it. You know, they just want to win it. As a team. I just, I love what they do. Yeah, Malone loved the execution in those final two minutes. From the 218 mark on, we have to score them 10 to 2. And uh, what I saw in that stretch was just a poise on offense, executing. Um, I mean, the one play was, you know, Austin Reeves came from the blind side to try to get the steal. It's almost like Nicola has, like, radar. He could sense him coming, and he finds Michael Porter wide open uh, for a huge three. And by the way, the, the the best of Michael Porter Jr. on display uh, last night. That that looked like a a thirty five million a year player last night. He was engaged for all four quarters. He was looking for a shot for all four quarters. He was playing an all around floor game. Uh, he was tremendous. He was tremendous. Now mm. now do it consistently. Okay. Right. Don't don't disappear and just be middling for the next five or six games. Start to. Start to do it consistently. You know, overall, on, right? overall, yeah, overall his numbers are fine, but stats can lie. And he, he, he there's been too many stretches of just kind of, you know, basketball with him. He was really good last night. Really, really good. And if you've got a third option to go along with Jokic and, and Murray when, when they're both playing like that, good night. It's over. Uh, Johnny Fever pointed this out to me. How about how about little uh, scoregami type thing? The Nuggets, see if you can figure this out. I'm, I didn't get it right away when he brought it up to me. Let's see if you can figure it out and you listening right now can figure this out. The Nuggets won by eight and Nikola Jokic scored 24 points. Go. The, the Nuggets won by eight and Jokic scored 24. Why is that, uh, why is that significant? Um, oh, oh, Kobe Bryant, eight and 24. Yeah, all right, there you go. Look at you. Yeah. Well, look at you. Look at you. Look at look at us. 
Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Hey, by the way, by the way, I forgot. To, <laughs> look at I forgot, us. I forgot to tell you. Uh, yesterday, I uh, ran into Chad Johnson. Um, he loves me, by the way, and uh, he wanted me to tell you hi. <laughs> Good. Well, hey, listen, please. I I hope you're telling all these folks that uh, ask about me that I I really miss him. Yeah, I really yeah, miss him. They were like, you know, Emmett, Emmett Smith and I, we go back tight during my right. uh, two years in Dallas, back right. uh, back during his days, you know? Yeah, they were like, where's Mike? And yeah. I'm saying, hey, um, unfortunately. <laughs> stop it. Oh, <laughs> Just stop it. You. Just stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Coming up next, do the uh, Drew Brees and Tony Romo endorsements make you feel better about Sean Payton in charge? That's next. The power's out at our house. Ah, coffee table. But since our family has storm-ready Wi-Fi from Xfinity, we can stream or game in the dark. As I try and fill around for a seat. Ah, here we go. Oh, who moved the couch? Get storm-ready Wi-Fi only from Xfinity, so you can stay connected for up to four hours, even when the power goes out. Restrictions apply. Limited to customers within range of 4G LTE cellular signal. Speeds reduced to 30 slash 7 megabits per second. Actual speeds vary. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash stormready. You're going to need a bigger boat. It's time for Schlereth and Evans' big story of the day. What is just that you're so, you're so big. Here's Schlereth and Evans with this morning's biggest story in Denver sports. Big mistake. Big, huge. Mark out at the Super Bowl Radio Row in Vegas. By the way, Vegas yes. feel like a good Super Bowl city? I saw, I saw somebody who said... Uh, Vegas is is great, but it feels like it's busting at the seams right now. Um, like it's too crowded. Vegas is always super crowded, so I don't know. I, I mean, it, it doesn't feel any more crowded than any other time I've been to Vegas. Yeah, it always feels crowded, and the, and in inside the casinos hasn't been. You know, whether I'm at Mandalay Bay walking through the casino, or back at the MGM, or a couple of other places I've walked through. Um, no, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel that way to me. Now it's I think it's a lot colder than people think. Yeah, you know I mean it's only been probably in the fifties highs. They've had rain, and then in the like in the mornings when I walk over here, it's in the thirties. So well, you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's the weather all over. Like the uh, Phoenix Open um, got got uh, delayed with weather and, and yeah. really cold yesterday as well. So it's just uh, yeah, yeah. It's been a bit bit unusual. Right. And it's yeah. snowing here, Mark. It's snowing here. Do you need me to head over to your house and, and shovel? Oof. No, you know, my that old my wife, that old battle axe, she'll get <laughs> it done. She is a tough one. What? She's a tough one. Oh my god, I hope she's listening right now. <laughs> I hope not. Did you just call her a battle axe? <laughs> yeah, what, is that bad? That's oh please, 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 please <laughs> have your phone chime in about ten Three? seconds. No, please. Oh, please. She knows. Rogue, 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 uh, rogue. Uh, I mean, uh, how, how would you feel if your, your husband or boyfriend called you a battle axe? Would you, uh, how would you react to that? I don't know. I, it's kind of cool. Kind of yeah. cool? Yeah. Kind of cool? It's kind of badass. Yeah, she's, she's tough. She's tough, man. Wow. All right. Yeah. All right. I, no, my, she will. She'll I get cannot out there. Get, I cannot get away with calling my wife a battle no, axe. She'll get sure. out. She'll get out there and show. She's tough. My wife is tough. She's from Alaska. True. True. Yeah. True that. Okay. 
Boy, I hope she's listening. God, I hope she's listening. Uh, I hope she's not. What time is it? What time is it? There? It's eight thirty-three. Oh, I think you're good. You think you're good? I think so. All right, all right, all right. Well, this time I think she's out of the car, back in the house. As as somebody who stands with Sean, uh I think you stand with Sean as well. Of course I do. If you had to like divvy up Broncos country, how many people do you think stand with Sean? Oh, or how 70, many? 70? 70%. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, uh, of course, the people, the, the Rusties are far louder than the Stan people. I mean, they're just, they, they're, the, they're the, the very loud minority of people. Yeah, but how many of those 70% do you think really believe in Sean or it's like, well... You know, he's the guy, and I have no choice but to believe in him. I'm not really sure if I believe in him, but I've got no choice. Oh, you know, there's always going to be, there's always going to be, you know, I think that's a fringe number. I think it's like 15%. Okay. So you're saying a strong 55% of Broncos country truly believes in John Payton. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I it was John Payton. Well, Dion does. Uh, and uh, we heard from a lot of people this <laughs> week. We found out. <laughs> I heard a lot of people that agree and believe in uh, Sean. That means, and that includes one Tony Romo. But I think Sean adjusts to his quarterback. I think the biggest thing for him, you know, for any quarterback playing with Sean is just immersing yourself in football. And Sean's going to get the best out of you. And sometimes your environment matters, right? Sean's got to adjust to whether he has good offensive linemen or not, good receivers. Phil Sims stands with Sean. It wasn't shocking to me. I think he just wanted drama to end. I don't think he was looking to see if our next quarterback is going to be the quarterback of the future. That wasn't, I don't think that had anything to do with it. Maybe give him some experience and see if he can be my backup next year and see who the starter is. So, you know. I've followed Sean a long time, ever since he was the Giants, the Cowboys, all those years in New Orleans. You know, he's... And nothing surprises me. And finally, Drew Brees stands with Sean. I know that, look, they've got a talented roster. Yeah. They'll continue to build that. They've got an ownership group that's going to provide whatever resources they need for Sean Payton to to win. And I know this. Sean is an excellent communicator, and he is an excellent orchestrator of, like, here's what we need to win. Here's the culture. Here's the standard of excellence. Yep. And now it's plugging the pieces in place yeah. to get that done. You had a chance. Breeze there, by the way, talking to pro football talk with uh, Chris Sims and, and Mike Florio. You had a chance. You saw Drew Breeze uh, yesterday. You guys mm-hmm. chopped it up for, for a little bit. I don't expect you to uh, uh, give away any uh, inside secrets that were said in confidence there off the record. But, um, you know, I, I know you didn't ask, and this is why I wish I was there, because I would have found a way. I would have passed you a note or something, or I would have barged my way into the conversation. But uh, I wonder how Drew Brees would respond to what plenty of the Sean critics out here suggest, that, well, Sean Payton is simply, simply a byproduct of Drew Brees, and that he isn't really that big a deal. Sean. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you hear it in his answer is that, you know, Sean's going to get the best out of his players, going to get the best out of his roster. He's going to, you know, he's going to find a way to, to get that done. And and those two, those two were a partnership, man. They, I mean, they were legitimately a partnership. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's a bit silly to, to sit there and say, well, it was all, 
Drew Brees and Sean Payton didn't have anything to do with it. You know, it, there's there's a give and take there that has to work. And um, and you know the other the other thing is you know the the just the nature of kind of revisionist history. Um, you know, Drew Brees was kicked to the curb. I mean, San Diego didn't want him. Uh, Miami turned him down and went with Dondé Culpepper. Like he was coming off an injury. He was a second round pick that. Nobody thought was going to the Hall of Fame until he got with the right coach and they developed something together. So, you know, I just I just find the whole narrative of, you know, Sean's not a very good coach. He just had Drew Brees is is so stupid. Like it's almost not even worth talking about. It's just so dumb. Well, plenty of people believe it, even oh, though well, that's, even that's though they were even though that Drew. If you're going to look at that argument, then if you want to make that argument mm. that Drew made. Sean, uh-huh. then how do you explain 2007 when the Saints went seven and nine, or 2008 right. when they went eight and eight, or 2012 when they went seven and nine, or between 2014, 15, and 16 where they went seven and nine, all three of those seasons with Drew Brees? So, hey Drew, <laughs> yeah, what happened to those? What what happened, bro? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's silly. Now, now, don't, don't get me wrong. This I mean, is ridiculous. No, don't, don't get me wrong, Mad Dog. I'm always gonna. Whenever you talk about the great runs that a team has, mm. and you've got that quarterback and that coach, I'm always gonna take the quarterback. Always, okay? Yeah, 100% always, always. 100%. But that doesn't mean that the the coach was some innocent bystander along the way. Correct. I mean, come on. Manage yeah, I mean, the game properly. You've got to have you've got to have a great mix of both, and you know it's kind of like what Mahomes said about Andy Reid. Yeah. You know, to be on the same page with my play caller, my head coach, and to be in this thing for so long together, like that's that is you know that's true, and that's exactly what and how he feels, and he did a great job with that, and and they've done a great job with that, and that's how the great ones mix together. I think the biggest thing for me, especially now, is when he calls a play, I know what he's thinking and kind of who he thinks the ball's going to go to. And it might be different than, than practice. Or it might be different than what we've worked on throughout the year. But um, based off the game that the defense is playing and the play that he calls, I have a good understanding of what he's thinking and who he thinks the ball's going to. Yeah, there you go. That uh, is from the words of uh, Kermit mm-hmm. himself. By the way, I saw the clip. Uh, somebody asked um, Mahomes, if he could do his best Kermit impression, mm-hmm. and he just leaned into the mic and says, "I'm doing it right now." Yeah, I'm here. I say, like, "Okay, there you go." Uh, I see you. That's why he's likable. God, I want to hate him. I, I want to hate him. I know. I, I want know. to hate him. I know. I, I want know. to. I do too. And trust I... me, by Sunday I'll have no problem. But, oh. but I gotta say, right now, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Yep. I'm a huge right now. I'm a huge 49er fan. Yeah, we Big all time. are. We all Big are. Time. We all are. Uh, up next, huge part of Sunday, the commercials, the halftime show. Mark, I want you and I want everyone out there to think your top three 
Super Bowl halftime shows of all time. I got mine. Do you have yours? Mm-hmm. We'll do that next. Getting you set for the big game in Las Vegas. Here's Schlereth and Evans. Presented by Smart Union Local 9 Sheet Metal Workers. Never see it coming because you're blinded from the start. Know that you're that one for me. It's clear for Usher with the halftime show this year. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll get to our top halftime shows of all time here in just a second, including what the uh, some of the experts say is the uh, best Super Bowl show ever. But uh, first, it is time to light the lamp brought to you by Papa Murphy's. Ah, the avalanche. You know, I gave them the benefit. <clears throat> I gave them the benefit of the doubt when they uh, lost that first game in overtime to the Rangers. I was like, ah, you know, the break, the break. We're on a break. No big deal, right? Off for ten days. It's gonna happen. They'll be fine. Instead, they uh, have followed with two more losses. They are zero and three. Well, zero two and one with uh, one of those OTLs in there. As they uh, lose last yeah, night to Carolina, that a, that's still a loss. Still a loss, but they get a point. Yeah. So they got one I, point out of a potential six. But it's still 0-3. Correct. How can we go 0-2-1? Because you get a point. It's uh, it's, it's not a, a tie. Loss. It's an it's it's it. Oh, you no longer have ties. So and when how you was it when you go like 0-2-1, that one it used to be a tie. Now it's a it's still a, a shootout tie. loss or an overtime loss. It's it's 0-3. Should be you should go. They're 0-3 with a plus one. <laughs> The no. data freaks. That's not how yeah. it works. But that's how it should that's, work. That doesn't matter how it should oh be. And three they're o two and three. They're 2 and 1. Technically, you can't go. That's a tie. O two 2 and 1 okay, is I'm a not tie. Gonna, I'm not going to argue this with you. It's a loss. I'm not going to argue this with you. I'm, I'm, especially since I'm, I'm, like with, I'm with Kale McCarr. I'm frustrated. Okay, let me ask you. Let me oh. ask you this. Okay, so let's say you're playing. Let's say you're playing soccer. And you're playing with your kids. Okay, you Me play soccer? Yeah, you're, you you I ever are, play soccer. You and Brady are playing soccer. That's never happened. Okay, it's in the backyard and it's a death match. It's never happened, but okay. And, okay, okay. And you guys are playing and you want bragging rights. Yeah. And you score two goals. Yeah. And he scores one and the game ends. Yes. Did you tie? No. You lost. You, you won, I right? Won. And he lost. He lost. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's when you lose in an overtime shootout. It's a loss. <laughs> but o, you get a point. Oh three plus one. All right, I'm not arguing with you. I like yeah, El McCarr and frustrated. No, shush. Shush. No shush. Then you're gonna get frustrated, and I think <laughs> we talked a lot about that before sticking together. And, um, I think when things weren't going our way, you could tell some of the frustration was coming out, and that just shows we we got a little bit ways to go still. Nobody's going to be no team right now is going to be perfect, and I think for us mentally, um, it starts with us from the leaders and just being um, making sure that we send that message from the top down. And um, whether it was I just don't think we did a good job of that tonight, and making sure that the boys knew that we were kind of all in that together. All right, so where where are we with this with this team right now? Where are we? Is this? What's Avalanche you tell, fans. You tell me what's what's do they like toughness? Do they like grit? What I mean, what like what is it about them? Because we know they don't like talent. So what is it about this team that you know has them coming out of a break where they should be rested, they should be fresh, where 
they lose three straight games? Well, oh, that's a good question. Uh, here's how I look at it. They're, they're not as talented as we've seen from past Avalanche teams. Certainly the team that won the Cup. So they're not ta- as talented. Let's start there. If you're not as talented, you better work your butts off. Mm-hmm. You better be just a, a hard-working blue-collar team if you're not going to be as talented. And what Kale McCarr is telling you right there is that we're not working as hard as we need to. And so what what is where does that leave you? Well, it, yeah. it, it leaves you with if this team's going to win a Stanley Cup, they're going to have to greatly ratchet up their overall work ethic or they need to become more talented. And in this case, I think they got to become more talented. Uh, mm. Two big things have to happen. In order for me to feel confident about this team winning the Stanley Cup, I, I don't care what they do during the regular season. I don't care if they win the Central Division. I don't care if they finish with, you know, home ice in the first round or home ice throughout the course of the play. I don't care about all that because I know what a, I know what an Avalanche Stanley Cup contender looks like, and right now I just don't see it. Sorry, I just don't. So here's here's what needs to happen. Two big things. One, Val's got to come back. We we talked about this yesterday. That since Val became a regular part of their uh, uh, top six forwards, their winning percentage with Val is over 750. Without Val, it's barely above 500. Barely above 500. So they have to get Val back. They have to get Val back whole, and they have to get Val back committed and reliable that he's going to be there for the playoffs. That's number one. And number two, they got to go out and trade for a second-line center. They just do. They, they've never replaced Nazem Kadri. Mm. Um, they, they've tried with the JT Comfers, and this year the Ryan jo- Ryan Johansson is just. Oh, I got to watch my mouth here. He's uh, he's he's just. It just hasn't worked nice. out. Okay, that's it. Okay, let me just be nice. It hasn't worked out. I'd like to use stronger words, but I can't. It okay. it just hasn't worked out. So those are the two things that have to happen. Yeah, I I would see, here's where I would have somewhat of an argument with you, is that I was all over the the place here in Radio Row and, and, you know, talked to a Dallas station, and they're all perplexed about why the Cowboys can't win squad come playoff time and all that kind of stuff, right? And one of the things I said, you know, they talk about talent. I go, talent, you you guys are top five talented team in in the league. Talent's wasted on talented people. Like, hey, man, you got a lot of talent, but right now teams are saying, hey, we're going to outwork you. We're going to outgrind you. We're going to outcheck you. We're going to do the dirty work because that's how we're going to match up with the Avs. And I just go back to the Cup when they won the Cup. And when teams tried to play them that way, yep. they could play right along with them that way. And I know that's hard, and I know that's, you know, you got to do the grimy stuff, and I know that's more exhausting and everything else. But when teams tried to, you know, for lack of a better term, muck it up with them and, and clog up the neutral zone and, you know, forecheck and do all that, the, all the stuff we talk about with hockey, they just matched them in that. And they're not, they don't feel like they're matching them to me right now. And so if you can't get more talented, you're just going to have to mentally get tougher. And, and that's that's something they did in that cup run. So I know it's I know it's in there. I know they've done it. I know they can do it. Maybe maybe that's where they miss Naz more than the, the skill set is just the chippiness and 
you know, some of the some of the nastiness that he brought. Well, both he and Landy. There's no doubt about yeah. it. They both just brought an edge that uh, I, I think that outside of, of a couple guys, this team lacks. Papa Murphy's, home of Take and Bake Tuesdays and $5 Fridays. Don't feel like uh, cooking tonight or going out for an expensive dinner? Pick yourself up some Papa Murphy's on the way home. They are delicious. Just pop it in the oven, bake it up, and just uh, enjoy. It's that, that easy. So, Usher is performing the halftime show. Mark, I asked you and I asked some of the listeners to come up with your top three Super Bowl halftime shows. Were you able to come up with three? Well, how many can you give me just one? Well, off the top of my head, I mean, Prince was awesome, right? That is my my number one. Yeah, Prince Prince was was just 2007 uh, in Miami, in the rain, Mm -hmm. singing Purple Rain. Yeah. Yeah, I yep. I thought he was just. I mean, you talk about somebody who just knows how to command an audience, yes. own a stage. Holy yeah. smoke! So that's Brilliant. that's number one for me. Yeah. Okay, that was great. I loved. I I'm I'm gonna tell you. I'll go off track here because these are just off the top of my head because I didn't look anything up. Um. So uh, there's a couple. I loved you too yeah. when Bo opened up his jacket had the American flag in it, and they I unveiled they unveiled the yeah. the giant. Um, Billowing, um, almost like just giant um, banners that were uh, had the names of all the victims of of nine eleven because this was the first Super Bowl yeah. after nine eleven. Right. Emotionally charged, so that one uh, goes down absolutely. So you got my you got my top two right there. Okay, good, 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 good. And then this one may go this go off the track, but I was I like normally the halftime show. I'm like whatever. Like, it just doesn't really move me. But I really didn't know this guy until then. And then I was like, this dude's an entertaining little turd. I liked him. <laughs> Bruno Mars? Bruno Mars. <laughs> That's what I, Like, look at that little bird's nest on top of his head. Like, I like this kid. I, I don't know. You know what? I would think that Bruno Mars might actually love the idea that somebody just gave him a positive review by referring to him as an entertaining little turd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was your third? Uh, I, I went back and forth for some of the same reasons. I loved the um, uh, the the, the um, uh, ode to hip-hop a couple years ago with... Uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop, Eminem. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a heck of a show. I know some people were like, eh. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But yeah. right. far and away, though, far and away, Prince is uh, my favorite. And it uh, works and is in same lockstep with uh, Rolling Stone put out their um, top. Well, they ranked them all. Okay. Uh, and there have been apparently 35, uh, 35 halftime shows that they have um, – officially had. What do you think the worst ranked halftime show ever was? Ooh. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have enough of a reference. The Black Eyed uh, Peas in 2011. Black Eyed Peas. Wow. Here's, here, here's Rolling Stone's description of it. It says... The worst. Just the worst. Watching at the time, you instantly knew you were witnessing something magical and special, like seeing a unicorn cough up blood. (laughs) Wow. 
Wow. Oh, wow. Harsh, but uh, whew, okay. Okay, what was the what was the Well, I'll tell you the, what. We'll get we'll get I'll get okay. into the list here. We'll do some more okay. of uh where the halftime shows are ranked. We'll do that as uh well as uh getting into um the uh, Broncos. Should Bronco fans be upset that the team is doing this again? Tell you what that is next.